I really feel that nature was the thing that in many ways taught me gratitude. You know, I was using substances in order to mask and cope with depression and anxiety. And those are things that follow you around everywhere and they impact every part of your life. And in those times where I'm able to just kind of get lost in nature, it's an opportunity to reconnect and to recognize that I've never been apart from it to begin with. You know, even if I feel disconnected, I'm not. And the opportunity to, you know, just observe those patterns and observe those rhythms for me were a reconnection point at a time in my life where I really needed to feel connected. And I was able to find gratitude in that time and space. And probably over the course of a couple of years came to the realization that gratitude and happiness are really a matter of choice. Stay connected to gratitude. Hit the follow button right now and join thousands of listeners tuning in each week. We're the Gratitude Seekers. Come join us. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Our guest from today is an educator, speaker, and business advisor. Through mindfulness, systems thinking, and regenerative design, he empowers the growth and development of individuals and communities. As a business advisor, he fosters healthy organizational cultures through process optimization, wellness integration, and environmental restoration. He dedicates himself to humanitarian and environmental endeavors to generate systemic change for the common good. Ian C. Williams, welcome to the Gratitude Podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here, Georgian. Happy to have you here. And uh, I'm really happy that we're going to have this conversation um, because, as you might know, in, in many of the conversations that I had on the podcast, um, a recurring theme uh, that's related to gratitude is nature and uh, how connecting with nature actually helps us connect to gratitude uh, more. But uh, we'll speak about this uh, in a bit. Let us know a little bit more about you, about your work, about the book that uh, you've written. Happy to do that. Um I mean, professionally, I work as a business advisor and consultant right now, um, predominantly with, you know, mission-driven social enterprise organizations, those that are really focused on social and or environmental justice. Um, And we can perhaps dive into that a bit later uh, in more depth. But I'm also uh, a speaker and an author. Just released a book entitled Soil and Spirit, Seeds of Purpose, Nature's Insight, and the deep work of transformational change. Um, And it's really kind of the why around all of my work as a person and a professional. Um, Central theme or ethos to that book is really that in order to meet these and solve and address these grand challenges that we find ourselves amidst in this time globally, um, we all as individuals need to do our own inner work so that we can show up as more effective change agents in the world. So work with individuals and communities, engage in speaking events, and then also work with organizations to try and help facilitate that transformational change process. Wonderful. And yeah, 
I think nature is an amazing source of inspiration. It's one of the most amazing sources of inspiration uh, that we can um, rely on uh, in, in this life. And I think it's um, it's wonderful that, that you have a big why that you uh, you've constructed your life around. So let us know a little bit about your story. Like how, how did you discover this big why? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it, it really probably, the, the, my relationship with nature probably starts back in childhood. Um, I have a mother who is um, a wonderful person and loves nature herself. And so some of my earliest, earliest nature-based memories are, you know, family camping trips, hiking, um, horseback riding, really kind of influenced by the things that, that she loves about nature. And she just brought us along for the ride. Um, and, you know, as I moved into adolescence, I kind of grew away from it, maybe, so to speak. Um, entered a phase of about 12 years of substance use and abuse. And uh, so I kind of lost touch with it a bit. But as I started to kind of grapple with the reasons why I was using substances, and as I really started to get serious about my own healing journey, now about seven and a half years in recovery, um, it was a source of reconnection and a place for healing. Uh, and so, you know, really some of my fondest memories with nature right now as an individual, just kind of in, in layman's terms, is just kind of getting lost. Um, I'm the person who's happy to just drive to the park and wander for a couple hours and, uh, you know, find a tree or a body of water to sit down next to and stare off into the distance for a while, um, you know, before returning to civilization, so to speak. And that was, you know, in my recovery process through substance use, it was a consistent thing. You know, you use the word something to rely on. And I was absolutely able to do that. Um, it was a very consistent relationship. It was a very safe place to always return to. And that was important for me on my healing journey. Um, I really needed that because <clears throat> internally for me, it wasn't a very safe space. Um, you know, socially and environmentally, I think uh, probably a bit more safe. But anyone who's dealt with, you know, chronic illnesses like depression, anxiety, things like this. Um, you know, it's not, it's not always safe to be with yourself. And so to be able to go out in nature and just kind of let that stuff fall away, um, to get lost in the, you know, the songs of the birds, um, the wind moving through the trees, rustling all the leaves. That was a really healing place for me. And so it was probably, you know, late adolescence, young adulthood, where I really started to reconnect with nature after falling out of touch with it. And then when I started to wake up to the affairs environmentally, right, especially where we're at globally um, amidst climate change, I realized that in order for us to address that challenge, we really have to, as individuals, as communities, we have to recognize our connection to nature. And not only do we have to recognize that connection, but we have to honor it in a way that um, demonstrates that we are within the bounds of natural law, we are not separate from nature in any way. And I think this is, you know, something that's been said a number of times by a number of different individuals. It's not necessarily um, anything particularly unique, but 
I think it's crucial and essential for our healing as a civilization right now, uh, because, you know, nature has been doing this for billions of years and uh, she's got a lot of things to teach us and she's got a lot of things to give us. And so being uh, the benefactor of those, um, those gifts over the years, there's just a deep reverence for me. Um, it's a place that I still return to when I need to quiet the mind, settle the heart. Um, and that's just, it's a passion that I'd like to share with the rest of the world because it's been critical in, in my own healing journey. Yeah, most definitely. I I can totally imagine you doing that, like what you mentioned in the beginning, just walking around and uh, finding a place to, to sit and just be there with nature. And I think we all need to do that. And um, especially nowadays when in many cities it's mostly concrete and uh, not enough trees not enough nature um we we tend to get disconnected and uh we tend to not realize that we're part of something bigger that we're part of um, a huge organism that that we're living on and uh that we are a part of actually and uh, yeah i think this is this is an important topic that gratitude can can actually help us um see more um i know for sure that at least in my experience when when i go out in nature and i connect with nature i don't know it just makes sense it, even though those things that didn't make sense when i was in my um con concrete box <laughs> they they made sense when i was out in nature and uh, i could make sense of things in in a totally different way and um yeah when we are grateful for nature i think we're more aware of the fact that we we are connected to it and that yeah we we also have a responsibility towards it right yeah i I, I really feel that nature was the thing that in many ways taught me gratitude. Um, you know, I was using substances in order to mask and cope with depression and anxiety. And those are things that follow you around everywhere and they impact every part of your life. And in those times where I'm able to just kind of get lost in nature, it's an opportunity to reconnect and to recognize that I've never been apart from it to begin with. You know, even if I feel disconnected, I'm not. And the opportunity to, um, you know, just observe those patterns and observe those rhythms. For me, were a reconnection point at a time in my life where I really needed to feel connected. And I was able to find gratitude in that uh, in that time and space and probably over the course of a couple of years came to the realization that gratitude and happiness are really a matter of choice. Uh, they're a matter of perspective. And I think that's probably something that <clears throat> it may run the risk of sounding a little insensitive or even a little privileged. 
Um, but ultimately the, the awakening that I had was I can choose to be grateful for anything at any time. And often what that looks like in the day to day, right. When we're stuck in our, our concrete boxes, um, is the little things, right. Recording this podcast with you right now, I'm actually grateful for the fact that my house is not, uh, perfectly insulated because I can hear the birds waking up on my side of the world. Um, and you know, that's a little connection with nature and, and it's, it's about perspective in many ways, right? Certainly here, um, in North America, I think there's this association that nature equals wilderness, right? You need to be out in the vast Mm -hmm. expanse of the open land, um, in order to actually be connecting with nature. And I don't, feel that that's the case. Um, and perhaps it's just something that I'm, you know, reaching for living in this city life, but, you know, oftentimes just going to a city park and sitting underneath the tree and staring up at the sky is enough for me to just kind of reset. Um, 10 years ago, probably wouldn't have been enough. You know, 10 years ago, I really had to get out and get alone and get far away. And I still enjoy those moments and I still make time to do that. But um, that realization that gratitude is a matter of choice was something that was really profound for me and really helpful for my emotional and, and mental well-being. Spend more time outside with fresh air in your lungs and healthier habits in your schedule by eliminating the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning up after each meal. Stress-free eating is just one click away this spring. Factor's delicious meals range from calorie-smart, keto-protein-plus to vegan and veggie, and they're ready in just two minutes. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. Head to factormeals.com gratitude50 and use code gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's gratitude50 at factormeals.com gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Um. And to your point there at the end, it was absolutely something that taught me about our responsibility. And I, I'm always, I try to be very careful with my language because I think it's easy to um, suggest that, you know, we need to be more responsible in the way that we care for nature. But part of what the book is about and part of what my teachings is about are about is that we don't need to necessarily we actually need to recognize that we are not caring for nature nature is caring for us Mm -hmm. and so that responsibility isn't imposing our will on the planet it's allowing us to recognize or encouraging us to recognize our space within this giant organism as you called it you know we're not living on this planet we're living in this planet and that Mm -hmm. fundamental perspective shift 
can really change the way that we relate to and associate with the world around us. Um, and I really feel that that perspective shift comes from inner work, self-realization, self-development. Um, and those things are also a matter of choice. Uh, and we could talk a lot about the resources that I've used along the way in order to, you know, help myself, um, because we're all living in community and, and, you know, that's a, a human need, but that sense of responsibility, I think is something that is a driving factor for me. You know, I get spun out about the state of affairs, um, on a pretty regular basis still. And getting out of bed in the morning is an opportunity to, you know, devote another day to something that is important to me. And um, I really feel as though, you know, if we can redefine, restructure, understand our relationship with the natural world a bit better, um, we'll have a lot more solutions waiting for us in order to address some of these grand challenges. Yeah, definitely. And um, when when you were were talking about what we can all do about um, nature and um, in relation to nature, to nature uh, each day, I was thinking about. I'm I'm sure you've seen um, those images, and I'm sure most of our listeners have seen those images. Uh, with people from different parts of the world that for many, many years, each day they planted a tree or a few trees or something like this, and uh, they photographed uh, a certain hill or something, uh, I don't know, 10, 10, 20, 30 years ago and now, and what a huge difference that made. And it just makes you think what you can do each day to to influence uh, things for the good. So what are the, some things that you believe that, that we can do? Well, I think the I want to frame my answer by the way that I approach my work, um, which is kind of two halves. First is individuals. Second is organizations. Um, you know, from a, a macro perspective, we've got massive initiatives that need to be pushed forward, uh, and scaled quickly. And, you know, that's, I think, fortunately, something that is now entering the, you know, the zeitgeist or the the common paradigm in in the world of business. Um, and personal and familial lives, right? We've kind of got these these major things that we need to tackle. Um, Energy production and consumption, transportation, industries, particularly agriculture. Uh, These are areas of collective society and civilization that really need innovative solutions. Fortunately, uh, we have some great solutions already out there, but making ourselves more aware of them and then really being intentional about scaling them and advocating for them, you know, and working on them from a, um, not just a policy standpoint, not just a market standpoint, but also an awareness standpoint. Those things are going to be absolutely crucial 
um, from a climate change perspective. And, you know, we could dive deeper into those, but to, to answer your question a little bit more directly, you know, I'll start with individuals. Um, it's largely influenced by my own personal experience. And the first thing that I would encourage people to do is um, expand their lens of awareness around what it means to relate with nature. And that might mean redefining your definition of nature. It's one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about food and agriculture, because, you know, most humans eat every day um, if they're privileged enough to do so and they have the resources and it's available to them. Um, I should say most people in, you know, the developing world, the, the global north. Um, that's an opportunity to interact with nature every single day. And it's also an opportunity to advocate for a healthier um, agriculture system every single day. You know, if you have the opportunity to make um, conscious choices about where you're sourcing your food from, if you have the resources to do that, um, that's a wonderful place to start. You mentioned, you know, cities being, uh, having a lack of nature. And I would tend to agree with you. Uh, you know, there are some wonderful initiatives going on, at least here in, in North America. Um, but I would say that they could stand to be scaled. You know, the heat island effect is real. Um, environmental justice concerns are real. Oftentimes we have, you know, uh, BIPOC communities living in the most polluted parts of um, cities. And these are things that need to be addressed. And we have the, the remedies and the remediation tools um, to, to start addressing them in a really substantial way. And the easiest way to do that is, you know, like you said, just just go plant something. It doesn't even matter what it is. Um, plant a tree, plant a backyard garden. Um, if you live near a community garden, maybe go find a plot. Um, you know, I've been known to just throw seed bombs uh, or seed balls outside from my car window, uh, which I don't technically think is legal, but I also technically don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, just, just plant something. Find a way to get outside. Um, and I think for the individual, for the family, for the community, the friend group, it just starts with making nature a part of your daily life. Um, because when you do that, when you plant that seed metaphorically, it will just grow naturally, no pun intended. Um, and, you know, from a, from a nature standpoint, like I talked about industry earlier, there's a few kind of, according to my knowledge of the research, kind of linchpin items that we need to be focused on. One is soil health. Um, without soil health, all of this becomes so much more difficult. The second is biodiversity. You know, we need to be much more intentional about um, recultivating diversity of seed crop, particularly in our food, but also just in nature in general. Pollinators are huge, particularly when it comes to food production. And, you know, for the people that have 
even been marginally connected and aware of um, the environmental movement in recent decades, like, you know, bees are at risk, pollinators are at risk. So those are some linchpin items that I think if you really want to know, like, where am I going to get the most bang for my buck? Go learn about soil health, learn about biodiversity, learn about pollinators. And any one of those things is going to give you an avenue into where you can have the greatest impact. Certainly there are others as well. So, you know, again, from an individual and familial perspective, community perspective, just make nature a part of your daily life. Find a way to do it. Even if it's when you get home from work, instead of walking straight inside, spend five minutes sitting on your step. Put your phone away, set your backpack down, and just watch the world go by. You know, pay attention. The clouds moving through the skies, the birds flying, chirping, whatever that is in your area of the world. Um, just observe it. And from an organizational perspective, switching lanes a little bit, this is where I think it gets a bit more complex and the problem solving becomes a bit more interdisciplinary. Um, you know, the way that that I and we approach our work with organizations is still largely through the individual first. Um, you know, the theory of change is that we can make stronger organizations, more resilient organizations, if the people within them are more resilient. And so we still approach our work from the inside out in that way, um, focusing on, you know, organizational efficiency and operational um, effectiveness so that we can improve the day-to-day working experience of the people at that organization. And then we move often into employee well-being and engagement literally trying to provide foundational tools for the people in that organization to um, create more holistic and healthy lives, both in and out of work. And then the third phase or bucket of work that we focus on is social and environmental impact. And our approach to that work is, I would like to think, fairly unique in the sense that we're giving organizations a framework that allows them to define what social and environmental impact mean. So we're doing a lot of qualitative research, analysis, and then custom program design and delivery that allows organizations to say, this is what we care about, and this is what we make a stand for, because these are what the people inside this organization care about and want to stand for. And then we help facilitate a process that allows them to turn that into you know, part of their day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year um, operational plan or organizational plan. But you know, if we were to kind of zoom out, that's what we're doing on the grassroots level in our work. If we were to zoom out and think about organizations as a whole, you know, this brings us to a a conversation about scope one, two, three emissions. We need to be thinking about the impact on the environment that our organizational structure and supply chain has and be taking steps necessary to address those things. But that's certainly not the only way to do it. Right. Many organizations have volunteer programs um, that allow their people to either take time off to volunteer for the things that they're passionate about individually or to collectively volunteer together. Um, And so, you know, if you're an organization that has um, that baked into your plan or if you're thinking about baking that into your organizational infrastructure, consider organizing something around connecting with nature whatever that looks like. Um, years ago, I worked at a uh, arboretum that was connected to the University of Minnesota. 
And, you know, we regularly had corporate volunteering events where a group of organ- um, members from an organization would come out. They had mandatory volunteer hours, which, you know, set, set your opinions aside about those mandatory volunteer hours. Um, but they would come out to the Arboretum and they would help us uh, get the children's garden ready for the growing season. And that was monumentally helpful. And inevitably every year, you know, you're there and everybody shows up at 7.38 in the morning and they've all got their coffee and they're not really happy to be there. Um, and by the end of the day, I'd like to think that I saw a few faces and personalities turn around, you know, and perhaps it was doing something that just wasn't work and a little bit out of the norm. But I'd also like to think that nature really had um, a role in that, right? Getting their hands in the dirt, imagining the children there throughout the growing season, um, learning about the importance of what they're doing and how it connected to preparing the garden for the growing season. You know, it, it, it so often turned the day around. And um, those are, there's, there's an infinite number of ways that we can really advocate and work with nature. But I think it really begins with developing awareness around it and then just taking a step. It doesn't matter where you start, but it does matter that you start. Spend more time outside with fresh air in your lungs and healthier habits in your schedule by eliminating the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning up after each meal. Stress-free eating is just one click away this spring. Factor's delicious meals range from Calorie Smart, Keto Protein Plus, to Vegan and Veggie, and they're ready in just two minutes. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. Head to factormeals.com gratitude50 and use code gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's gratitude50 at factormeals.com slash gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Definitely. And you gave us some amazing ideas. And I just love the way you uh, you started from the individual and went uh, really on a planetary level. and. Um, it's it's beautiful how how we can all have uh, an impact, and we we already have an impact, whether we realize it or not. And that's why I think it's important to to be aware, like you like you mentioned, to be aware of our connection with nature and the fact that we are in this together and um, we are part of it. And I was just thinking that. Um, many of us are living in in apartment blocks that um, can really feel uh, disconnected to nature and um, many things that were natural for us as humans um, 100 years or 200 years ago now are I don't know, um, just not part of our daily life, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that there are some of those things that our um, great grandfathers did that we we need to take a look at and to bring back to our life in one way or another because it's it was harder for them from many points of view and it's much better today but there still were some things like like you mentioned just i I loved your example before going inside just to stay for a moment because many of us just uh, go outside of our house of our apartment we get in a car or in another mode of transportation we get to another building usually and uh, when we we do what we need to do there we uh, again in another box in a metal box we get back to our concrete box and that's for many of us that's life mm-hmm. and just taking those two minutes or so to to realize that you're breathing the fresh air, you're listening to the beautiful songs of the birds and just feel the, the, the air on your skin. I, I think these, these are essentials. Yeah, the, the example of, you know, going from one box to another box inside of a metal box, you know, if you, if you own your own car, is uh it is the reality for many of us in the developed world or, or and the opportunity to make different choices is often um a luxury it's often a privilege but to go back to that sense of responsibility one of the things that is helpful for me is to remember as someone who is a part of the global north I am part of the uh, group of people on this planet who is privileged enough to have a seat at the table and to advocate for doing things differently. And there's a sense of responsibility there, undoubtedly. Um, You know, when friends reach out or if I reach out to friends to get together, one of the things, it's a very small change, but it's made a huge impact on my life is instead of, you know, going to a restaurant or going to a coffee shop, um, I've just started asking people if they're willing to go for a walk instead. Mm. And, you know, so instead of going from one box to another box, I'm going from one box to a park or mm. even down the city streets, right? Um, that's had a that's had actually a profound impact on my life and i've noticed that you know after those times where i'm socializing with others if i'm if i were to compare the the times that i'm on a walk outside versus the times that i meet someone indoors for coffee or food um i usually leave feeling a bit better after i've spent that time outside and so again, a small shift, but an opportunity to do it. Um, and it doesn't always work out. But what I found is that more often than not, people are like, yeah, that's actually a great idea. It's been a while since I've been for a walk. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for what it's worth, that's another place to start. The other thing that I 
have really enjoyed learning about over the years is uh, this field of research known as nature-based therapeutics. And uh, I was fortunate enough and, and still am to have a mentor and friend in that space. And the the reality of this conversation about nature, and I think, you know, if we could maybe bring it back to the notion of gratitude, um, nature-based therapeutics is this field that studies the therapeutic qualities of nature for those who aren't aware of it. And at this point, you know, it's, it's not a very old body of research, but at this point, there is substantial and overwhelming evidence that nature is beneficial for our health and well-being. Um, it can, you know, promote pro-social behaviors, which I think is definitely great for someone like me who has deeply introverted tendencies. Um, you know, it can lower stress. There's all of these impacts that it has on our health and well-being. And the beauty is we don't need to do anything other than get out into nature. Um, and surprisingly, we don't even need all that much of it in order to get the effects. Um, and don't quote me on this because it's been a while since I read the book. Um, and that book now is actually a couple years old. So the research may have changed, but it was somewhere between like three to five hours a month out in nature is scientifically demonstrated to impact health and well-being in a positive way. So it's not even that much time. Um, and I know, you know, many of us lead extremely busy lives. Uh, but the opportunity to slow down is not just one that's feel good for our health. It's one that is scientifically good for our health. And so if there's anyone listening who just feels like there's a little bit of fluff to this conversation, you know, oh, just get out in nature and you'll feel better. I would just encourage them to consider the fact that um, there actually is science behind it. And, you know, I think that if we, you know, we talked, you mentioned like 100 or 200 years ago, our forefathers and mothers were um, living a different life. Absolutely true, right? I mean, the I'm, I'm the first one to admit that I'm not a history buff, but when we started to mechanize the way that we interact with the world, right? Industrial revolution times, mm -hmm we really changed our relationship with nature and it's not necessarily in a bad way because that has provided so many conveniences that many of us in the global North have now the opportunity to experience and live with on a daily basis. Um, and they improve our lives immensely, but it may have resulted in a disconnectedness and that's not necessarily, you know, the cell phone's fault or the computer's fault or the car's fault. It's, a matter of choice, right? This is the life and whether we're conscious or unconscious about the life that we're living in every moment, we have the opportunity to be conscious about the choices that we're making. And, you know, for those of us uh, in our generation, we, we inherit the world from the generation before us. And that's a cycle that continues indefinitely so long as our species is alive to continue living on this planet. Um, and every day we have a choice to decide what this world's going to look like and what world we're going to be leaving for the next generation. And for me particularly, I'm motivated by the fact that we have an opportunity to essentially, and this is putting it a little bluntly and a bit harsh perhaps, but 
we have an opportunity to decide whether our species is going to survive or not. And this planet's been through five mass extinctions already. And the sixth is knocking on our door. And we have an opportunity to decide how we respond. And that takes a bit of intentionality. It takes a bit of conscious awareness. Um, and if you're a, a science person who needs the data to back it up, go find it. It's out there. If you're you know, an emotive being who needs to feel a little bit better or to feel aligned with the decisions that you're making, go connect with nature and feel those feelings. If you're a social person or you're an activist, there are plenty of communities and organizations and events out there for you to really feel like, you know, you're doing something. But again, this, this leads back to my own theory of change, which is all of this work happens from the inside out. If we're waiting for institutions and governments and organizations to make all these changes so that we as individuals get the opportunity to continue to see this life through, we're missing an opportunity to take responsibility for our lives and our well-being. You know, the organizations, the policy, government, etc., that's just half the equation. The other half of the equation is how we as individuals and communities respond. And we have an opportunity as well as a responsibility. And again, I would just go back to it it doesn't necessarily matter where you start, but it does matter that you start. And Every day is an opportunity to start again. So, yeah, perhaps a bit of a ramble there, but um, I just think it's important to recognize the opportunity that we have in front of us and also recognize that if we take responsibility for this opportunity, we're not just doing it because it's the right thing to do. We're also doing it because it will, bottom line, be better for our health and well-being and not just humans, but species across the board. Spend more time outside with fresh air in your lungs and healthier habits in your schedule by eliminating the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning up after each meal. Stress-free eating is just one click away this spring. Factor's delicious meals range from Calorie Smart, Keto Protein Plus to Vegan and Veggie, and they're ready in just two minutes. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. Head to factormeals.com gratitude50 and use code gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's gratitude50 at factormeals.com slash gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Yeah, definitely. And I I think you made a lot of sense that that's why I didn't stop you in any way because, um, for instance, you mentioned the, the Industrial Revolution. Uh, the whole point of it was... Uh, economical it didn't take into consideration our relationship with nature um what we will be doing with all of the things that we we would be producing that we won't be needing anymore we're just 
becoming aware of that. And um, I think it's it's very important for us to see that uh, ourselves and our parents um, and maybe our grandparents that have been a part of this industrial revolution were just part of something bigger that happened throughout the um, Western world, at least. And um, we went with the with the flow as humans. Uh, that's why it's important for us as individuals, at least, to do some things differently, to do some things deliberately, because otherwise the the flow of um, the day to day doesn't take uh, into consideration this relationship with nature too much because it's not something that has a direct impact. For instance, uh, not many people, employers maybe think that um, employees need some time in nature or think about activities that they can do in nature to help them um, be more productive or something like this. Something that I believe it's firstly our responsibility and that's why I love the fact that you mentioned uh, uh, something very specific, the fact that we need three to four hours at least, in my opinion, um, per month to be in nature. And I think this is a very achievable goal for every one of us, no matter how busy. Uh, that's basically one hour per week to make sure that we are connected to nature one way, one way or another. And um, yeah, that can be something simple, as you mentioned, just um, before going inside, being outside for uh, a few minutes each day and uh, appreciating nature. Also, like you mentioned, the parks and uh, other places that um, help us connect to nature. And um, also, I, I remembered when I was a child and when you were talking about the boxes, um, I was looking forward when I when I came back to sc from school, I, I just couldn't wait to go outside, you know. And I, I think that's natural, you know. It's something that comes naturally from inside of us to want to be outside just just because, just to be, to smell the fresh air, to to be outside, to um, be one with nature one way or another. And I didn't even care at, at times if everyone, if there was uh, anyone else outside at, at that point, but just the fact that I was able to be outside uh, after being for, I don't know, six or eight hours or I don't, I don't remember exactly how many hours I was in the classroom. That was exhilarating, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're touching back on this notion of redefining our definition of nature. I think children are a perfect example, right? Yeah. Because whether they're in a backyard or in a sandbox or on a playground, it almost doesn't even matter, right? They're just outside. And for anyone who's taken the time to observe children, um, 
indoors versus outdoors. It changes the nature of the way that they play and move through the world. And to think that, you know, there's this magical day when we turn 18 or whatever, uh, whatever age it is, that somehow that has to stop or that changes in some way, I think is perhaps a little naive. Um, you know, we, I, I live here in Minnesota, which is a state in the northern United States, um, near Lake Superior and the Great Lakes, you know, and so we get winter. And there's a lot of people here who, um, you know, they just can't wait for it to be over, right? It's usually six, seven months out of the year. Um, and there can be a lot of snow and a lot of ice. And that's a stretch where a lot of people, you know, they just stay inside for six months at a time. And it is perhaps a little bit more work. It's less convenient to go outside and connect with nature because it's cold and you got to put your gear on and all of these things. But, you know, I spent a few years in youth education. And one of the things that I learned, one of the things that those children taught me was um, to kind of get over that and to just get out and find a way to enjoy it. And oftentimes just getting out means that it's almost inevitable. You will enjoy it. <laughs> to, um, I'm still a bit envious <clears throat> of, of friends who commute via bike. Um, having done that for one winter here in Minnesota, I learned that it's just a very different way to move through the world, to transport right? You're not inside of a insulated vehicle where you're disconnected from the natural elements. You're in the natural elements. And, um, you know, I, I tell myself, well, I don't do that anymore because I, I don't have the time, but the reality is you make the time, right? I mean, I have a friend right now who's at university full-time working full-time, uh, recently married, just bought a house. I mean, he's one of the busiest people I know, and he still commutes via bike. You know, so there's, there's really no excuse in that sense. Um, and that's not to be, you know, um, demeaning or, or shaming to anyone who's not commuting via bike in any way, or, or even to myself. Um, it's just the, it's just meant to make the point that it's a matter of choice, you know, and to, to make that choice. I love that you use the word deliberate because it is about that. It's about being deliberate and intentionality. And we have the opportunity to do that. Um, and to the same way that we have an opportunity to choose gratitude. These things are not contingent upon the external circumstances or landscape. They're contingent upon the internal landscape. And that internal landscape, what's inside of all of us, is 100% up to us. We are creating that self-reality and the reality of self. And so I would just encourage, you know, everyone out there to, to sit deeply with that. Um, and it's still something that I have to sit deeply with on a regular basis to remember that, you know, my happiness, my gratitude, my well-being is not contingent upon the external world or other people being a certain way. It's contingent upon my ability to respond and maintain my own centeredness and well-being, no matter what's going on around me. Exactly, I I love it. I love it, and yeah, it's it's a wonderful um, 
ending for our uh, wonderful interview. I'm really happy that we, we got to have this conversation. And I'm sure that uh, our listeners have gotten quite a lot of great ideas that they can imp implement. For me, uh, just a, a simple one that, that makes me think is um, having a, a specific time frame for being in nature. I think it's something that's achievable for most of us, at least, if not for all of us. And just the fact that we can start from there and we can we can create some amazing changes in the world. So let us know uh, where can our audience find your book, uh, get in touch with you. Absolutely. Uh, again, the book is Soil and Spirit, Seeds of Purpose, Nature's Insight, and the Deep Work of Transformational Change. Um, you can find it online in almost any place that you purchase books. Um, Amazon, Goodreads, Barnes and Nobles, those are those are a, a few that are regular here for us in uh, North America, the United States. But um, pretty much anywhere that you buy books online, you'll be able to find it. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me specifically, very happy to do so. Please reach out. Um, you can find me on most uh, social media channels with the handle at Revive You and I. It's Revive U A N D I. Um, and that's also my URL. Um, so if you want to visit my personal website, which will also be an avenue into my organizational consulting services and speaking services, it's just www.reviveuni.com. So please reach out um, if you feel moved, uh, you know, buy the book. Audiobook will be out soon, depending on when this podcast is published. Um, and yeah, please reach out. And, and more importantly, please go find a friend and take a walk. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for the opportunity. It was great. Hey, Gratitude Seeker. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview. I really appreciate it. And if you could think of one person that would also benefit from it, share it with them. It might actually be the inspiration that they need to make their day or maybe even their life much better. Thank you so much once again. This has been Georgian Benta. Don't forget to keep seeking and spreading gratitude. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you experiencing more lack in your life than you used to? Unfortunately, some things are not in our control, but we can control how we see them. Join me on a seven-week journey from lack to abundance through gratitude. Go to georgianbenta.com slash abundance course. That's georgianbenta.com slash abundance course to join me now. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you experiencing more lack in your life than you used to? Unfortunately, some things are not in our control, but we can control how we see them. Join me on a seven-week journey from lack to abundance through gratitude. Go to georgianbenta.com slash abundance course. That's georgianbenta.com slash abundance course to join me now.